The WBEN All Local. All Local. A daily look at what's happening in Buffalo, Western New York, and the world. I'm Susan Rose. I'm Brian Mazurowski. A dominant performance by the Bills defense in the D.C. area Sunday. Roll it to his left. Going to step up in the pocket. And it's picked off by A.J. Epinesa going the other way. Blockers in front to the five. Touchdown, Buffalo! A.J. Epinesa with the fifth takeaway of the day. And this one goes for a pick six. Another one at that point, right? Nine sacks, four interceptions for the Bills defense, which led the way in a 37-3 win over the Commanders. I'm extremely proud of the guys. They really worked hard this week in practice. They do every week, but our scout team, you guys do a phenomenal job. I mean, you guys are out there practice. Um, I don't think anybody practices as hard as we do in terms of the competitive nature of our practices on Wednesdays and Thursdays in particular. And, and I think that's when you, when you have those habits, you give yourself a chance on Sunday. All right, that's Bill's head coach Sean McDermott, the star performer on the defense, Terrell Bernard. Two sacks, an interception to top it all off. Yeah, I think, you know, just building confidence that I can do it. You know, coming in, you don't really you don't really know, to be honest with you. So, you know, going day by day, trying to stack days, get the confidence in my teammates, get the confidence in myself, constant confidence of the coaches. So it's been it's been fun. But like I said, just got to keep stacking days. All right. I got to keep stacking days is what he says. And they have to really uh, they got their work cut out for him next week. Uh, The Bills improved to two and one uh, with a big blowout win over the commanders. I think a lot of people across Western New York, though, the celebration might have been a bit subdued when they saw what was happening out of town. Barrios in motion. They pitch to A-Chain. Off the left side. 40, 50. He's gone. 30. Nobody's going to catch the A-Chain. Touchdown, Miami. Touchdown, Miami. That made it 70 to 20. That score is unbelievable. I didn't think it was possible. Me either. Uh, the Dolphins are in town next week for... I. It, I mean, it's got like a playoff-like big For game sure. feel. They just scored 70 points, top two teams in the division next week. We'll be talking all about it. Sal Capaccio joins us at 7.50. And after the blowout wins yesterday by both the Bills and Dolphins, what's your early pick for Sunday? Bills by a mile, Bills in a close one, or the Dolphins? It's our WBEN.com web poll. You'll find it on the right side of our page. The UAW strike is expanding WBEN's Max Ferry has more on the concerns that local union members have about ripple effects hitting western New York. On Friday, United Auto Workers President Sean Fain increased the calculated strike efforts of the union, continuing efforts to achieve fair contracts with Ford, Stellantis, and General Motors. At noon Eastern Time, all of the parts distribution facilities at General Motors and Stellantis are being called to stand up and strike. Prior to the strike increase, layoffs have been ensuing, which has caused alarm bells for UAW leaders. However, Ray Jensen, assistant director for UAW Region 9, says President Fain has a plan for laid-off workers, and they will be getting an income via the union. I'm always concerned with layoffs. However, President Fain put out a statement saying that the laid-off workers will be getting an income. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but they said they will be getting an income. It's the companies trying to spin the narrative and, and trying to show the public that we're laying off workers when in fact they're out due to a part supply issue because of the striking workers. So the 
union had put out a statement on the 6th, September 16th saying that the laid off workers will be generating some sort of income. So we can fight one day longer and one day stronger. To date, no UAW members from Western New York have been called to strike. In the meantime, they stay prepped and ready, schedules in place, and continuing their efforts to stand with their brothers and sisters on the strike line via solidarity rallies. Hear more at WBEN.com. Max Ferry, WBEN.com News. All right, Max, thank you. One strike over in Hollywood. It took 146 days and an estimated cost of $5 billion to the California economy, but the end of the writer's strike is in sight. A tentative deal reached Sunday night. It'll need to be finalized and ratified, but that kind of seems like a formality, given the WGA description of the deal in a statement as, quote, exceptional. Keyboards won't start clicking until the T's are crossed and I's are dotted, though. And there's still the matter of the actor's strike, which means Hollywood production will remain largely shut down until that is also settled. That's Jason Nathanson. One Hollywood strike is over. There's still another one, though, uh, so not everything quite back to normal. We'll keep you posted on that. And Erie County Executive Mark Polencar said last week this would be the last time he runs for county executive if he's reelected in November. WBEN's Tom Puckett takes a look at why now may have been the time to make that promise. It was a quick announcement by Mark Polencar. I'm standing right now. If the people give me the opportunity to serve one more term, this will be the last time I ever run for county executive. Jack O'Donnell of O'Donnell & Associates says longtime incumbents can sometimes get pushback from voters when they seek re-election. Well, I wouldn't be surprised that um, uh, County Executive Polencar is hearing that from voters, and so... Um, a good response to that is this will be my last term. Ken Curley of Politics and Stuff is taking Poland Cars' statement at face value. It's an unusual uh, thing to talk about, but I think uh, he's just being square with the, uh, the the voters about what his intentions are. But if Poland Cars wins and changes his mind, GOP strategist Carl Calabri says shelf life could become a hot-button issue next time. If he does decide to go for a fifth term, uh, if, if the shelf life doesn't, doesn't dominate... Uh, this election and produce uh, his loss, then, boy, you've you got to put your money down. It will play uh, a big role if he does decide to pursue a fifth term. Hear more online. Tom Puckett, WBEN.com News. All right, pretty interesting there. We'll be talking more about that in just a little bit. A new poll from ABC News and The Washington Post shows former President Trump with a near double-digit lead over President Biden. In a hypothetical general election matchup, the poll found Trump leading Biden 51 to 42. Experts say several factors may be at play, including Biden's poor performance ratings, concerns about the economy, and the crisis on the southern border. Meanwhile, a poll released yesterday by NBC shows Biden and Trump in a dead heat at 46 percent. But that poll also found Trump expanding his lead over the Republican primary field, including over Chris Christie, by more than 40 points. All right, so the new poll, we'll be talking a little bit about that coming up as we go to Washington in the 7 o'clock hour. Several fights broke out at Fright World on Hurdle Avenue Saturday night. Buffalo police responded just after 10.30 p.m. where several large groups were gathered in the parking lot. Police from multiple districts were called in to break up the crowd. One person was detained. It's unclear if charges will be filed. How about this story? A spacecraft that spent the last seven years in deep space returned to drop off NASA's very first asteroid sample from orbit. The OSIRIS-REx released a capsule carrying samples from an ancient asteroid known as Bennu. 
It contains about a cup's worth of pebbles, dust, that will reveal clues about the birth of the solar system and life on Earth. These samples are an amazing treasure trove for generations. Now, we'll be talking a little bit more about uh, all this stuff in space. Uh, <laughs> there, there is an asteroid, apparently, that is the size of the Empire State Building might have potential impacts with Earth in 159 years from right now. Um, it's on its way, the OSIRIS-REx, to find another asteroid. All of its findings helping NASA figure out how to deflect asteroids that could hit the Earth. This sounds like a movie plot. I know. I think it's a very important mission because I would not like... I Personally, if we put up a web poll... Are you a fan, yay or nay, on uh, asteroids hitting Earth? I'm a nay. Just that's uh, <laughs> I would I would want to avoid that. Your exclusive WBEN seven weather forecast: partly sunny skies today, with temperatures in the low 70s tonight. Mostly cloudy, a few showers across the southern tier. Overnight lows in the low 50s on Tuesday. Some morning clouds can wait to sunshine. Highs near 70. With your exclusive WBEN seven weather forecast, I'm Chief Meteorologist Aaron Minkowski. Steve Roberts joins us, and Steve, I have to start with a little bit of an apology sorry we came into your uh, town trounced all over your team and uh left with a win yesterday yeah no, no i was there i mean i'm a season ticket holder at fedex field and i was there with my grandson and i gotta tell you um i've been to a lot of games in that field where a lot of visiting fans can be kind of mean-spirited it really struck me how um the, the bills fans were upbeat they were nice um you know they the uh, uh, whole adage, go, go, Buffalo, is going to be ringing in my ears for the next couple of days. <laughs> um, but they were very uh, good-spirited fans. And I think everybody in Washington went, well, we got whipped. But we got whipped by a good team. And, and uh, I can tell you the, the Buffalo fans are a whole lot nicer than the fans from Philadelphia. <laughs> so, uh, you know, even though, the, even though Buffalo won, they um, – they left us feeling, you know, that they were good visitors. Well, good, good. Uh, I, I don't know if Philly's a high bar, but we'll take it. <laughs> right. <laughs> it it's is a good very to hear. low bar, but still. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Steve, Congress has five days to avoid a government shutdown. Do you think they'll do it? No, <laughs> I don't. Um, because, uh, look, it, there are two problems here. Yes, this, you, you've got only a four-vote margin in the House. Uh, that's all the Republicans have. It, and that gives just a handful of people so much leverage. Uh, and, look, if this were a normal congressional debate uh, over money, uh, which is what the Republicans, these, this rump group of hard-right, dem, uh, hard-right Republicans say it's about money, well, you can co- always compromise money. But... These people are not interested in legislating. They're interested in performing. Their uh, metric of success is not bills passed. It's how many times they appear on Fox News. Um, it's a whole different view of the job of being a legislator. They're here to get publicity. They're here to make political points. They're not here to accomplish anything practically. And so it makes it so much more difficult to negotiate with them. Speaker uh, McCarthy himself said – this is just a whole new way of coming to Washington. He says what they want to do is burn the place down. Well, that's so different 
from the traditional view of how legislators view their jobs. And that's what makes it so much more difficult. It's not just that they're conservatives. is that they're not really even legislators. They're performers. And that's a very different view of their job. That's interesting uh, to put it that way, Steve. You heard uh, Mike Simpson of Idaho say that they're being dragged around by 20 people and 200 of us are in agreement. It's like a power problem right now. Democrats had the same issue, right, uh, when they held the House. And it's like everyone has this problem because there's one thing that you can definitely not do, and that's work with the other party, right? Well, there have been moments when, in fact, good leaders do reach across the aisle. Um, This is what happened earlier this summer when the government faced, the Congress faced this enormously explosive and potentially damaging problem of not raising the debt ceiling, which would have forced the government not to pay its bills, which would have had a huge negative effect on the economy, on our reputation around the world. And in the end, uh, a bipartisan group did pass the uh, the debt ceiling, and this rump group of hard right Republicans uh, was left in the lurch because they wouldn't vote for it. And 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 in the end, a bipartisan group did this. And that, if you go back over the last couple of years, there were COVID relief bills that did pass with a certain amount of bipartisanship. Um, so uh, it, it's not an impossible idea. But uh, right now, part of the this was entirely predictable. Uh, Speaker McCarthy was elected. It took 15 ballots for him to win. He was so weak and he wanted this job so badly that this group of Republicans exacted these uh, huge concessions and compromises from him. Uh, and you knew that they were going to go back to the well. You know, um, uh, even uh, some of Republicans have called them hostage takers. Well, you don't negotiate with hostage takers, and that's exactly what McCarthy did. He negotiated with them. He gave them concessions. They um, tried to uh, block him on the debt ceiling, and you knew that when it came to funding the government back last January, you could have predicted we were going to be in exactly this situation because of the concessions that McCarthy made and because he's so weak. And in the end, we know how this is going to end, too, because it's almost certainly going to have to end maybe after several weeks of a shutdown with – uh, a, um, a bipartisan uh, bill. Now, in the short term, Democrats might take some comfort in the fact that this, the Republicans look so dysfunctional. But you got to remember a year from now, Joe Biden is going to be running for re-election, and he is going to depend very heavily on basically a sense of optimism about the economy. And right now, Americans are really gloomy. Our ABC poll out this morning, only 25 percent of Americans think the economy is in good shape. Well, when you're running for re-election as an incumbent president, you can blame other people, but in the end, you have to own the economy. And so if this shutdown has negative effects on the economy, it might help the Democrats short term, but it's not going to help Biden long term because he's going to depend on people feeling good about things a year from now. Steve, you just mentioned that poll. I wanted to know, what do you make of that that poll that found Trump leading Biden 51 to 42 percent? It, 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 ABC itself has described this as an outlier. And if you look at all the other polls, including Fox News polls, uh, it is an outlier that uh, almost every other poll shows Biden and, and, and Trump in something close to a dead heat. But even so, the Democrats have to be deeply alarmed by that poll. And as I say, if you look at other numbers of the poll, 
but only 25% of Americans think the economy is in good shape and you're running for re-election? Look, let's remember there are only two slogans in American politics. You never had it so good and it's time for a change. And when you are the incumbent president, you have to basically run on your record. And if people are gloomy, um, it is it, it is it is going to be a tremendous dead weight on your reelection prospects. And so even if you eliminate the head to head numbers between Biden and Trump, this poll has got a lot of bad news for the Democrats, particularly uh, the gloomy view of the economy. You know, part of this, do you expect a messaging change or maybe it's already happened, uh, Steve, uh, Bidenomics, right? Uh, this has been the push yet. I mean, in the real world, you know, where people live in outside of Washington and politics, you're living in a place where, okay, a lot of people got uh, wages uh, raised in the last three years or so, uh, got a raise at work. And guess what? It got you absolutely nothing because of inflation, just eating away at everything uh, that you've done over the last couple of years. And if you're going to go ahead and tout the economy, well, this is the economy that people are living in. Yeah, absolutely. And this has been the single biggest problem uh, Biden has had since he uh, came into office. Uh, We've talked about this many times. You know, you drive down the street and you look up and there is a four in front of the the dollars per gallon on your big red uh, LED lights. Or you go to the grocery and suddenly you're paying $15, $20 more than you used to. That it's one of the basic truisms about politics is that issues are far more resident if they affect people's daily lives. You can talk about Ukraine. You can talk about China. You can even talk about climate change. But money and inflation and family budgets are always the most important issue. If you also the one hopeful thing for Democrats in these polling is how unpopular the Dobbs decision was reversing Roe v. Wade. And that has changed abortion from it, one of those abstract issues to a reality for many voters, particularly younger women of childbearing age. If there's, any, if there's one piece of good news in this poll for Democrats, it's that the abortion issue is it, it's not as powerful as the economy, but it's gathering steam because of a growing number of, of, of voters, particularly women, are now taking abortion personally. And it's not just an abstraction. Um, but uh, by and large, this poll's got a lot of bad news for Democrats. Steve, have a good week. Thank you. Okay, anytime. That's the WBEN All Local. All new episodes are made available each weekday morning, produced by the award-winning WBEN Newsroom.